Hey docs, welcome back. Dr. Jared here and you're listening to the Cairo PCP podcast, the podcast dedicated to chiropractors looking to become primary care physicians specifically for the neuromuscular skeletal systems. You are the go-to in our target market. Also for doctors looking to generate a patient centered practice. Two things desperately needed for our profession, not to survive. We're going to survive, but we want to thrive. We have an awesome opportunity to gain a ton of market share, but we can't do that if we're scattered. We got to come around some some good uh, foundational thought, and we're going to dive into that a little bit more today. Before we do, remember, go to Cairo PCP. Grab the five critical things for practice you don't get in Cairo school. That's for Cairo students, but it's also for doctors who are just getting out or have been out for maybe less than two years. Also, associates looking to transition to private practice. You're going to grab a lot of good information in the five critical things for practice you don't get in Cairo school. So uh, head to Cairo PCP. Um, Go ahead and register for that and enjoy. There's five podcasts that come with it specific to those five things. So tons of free information there. Other things you can do to uh, get this word out so that we can improve our market share as a profession, like, share, comment, uh, you know, any of those things, greatly appreciated. Also share this with your friends, um, share it with uh, folks you might meet from other schools just so we can get the word out. So now we can get started with what we're going to tackle today, and it's it's a lot about how to structure rehab to a patient in correlation with your chiropractic adjustments, maybe even your soft tissue work. And the idea comes from two of my shadows who are now transitioning to become interns, so congratulations to them. If you're, you know, if you've been listening to this, you know one of my passions and what I think uh, should be a part of the profession is more established docs creating these pipelines to help younger docs, help younger students understand the realities of practice and be able to see that in a real world setting instead of a make-believe setting. Um, And also in that, I I get to learn a ton as well. Um, I have my, my perceptions of what's probably going on still in school, but I'm, I'm over a decade separated from that. So uh, taking these two shadows and other shadows uh, through this process, it's been interesting to feel the nuance of what's still going on uh, at universities that are that are taking these kids and trying to get them ready for, for practice. And the big thing here is there's a ton that still needs to be understood on how to provide quality rehab in correlation with chiropractic adjustment and any soft tissue that you give. So we're going to tackle that uh, kind of from two different angles, but they're pretty much both uh, the same thing at the end of the day. So the first shadow comes in and, you know, she's saying, hey, I, I have, you know, someone I know who uh, who has tension headaches. You know, what would you do with tension headaches? And of course, me and my associate fire right back. Okay, what would you do with tension headaches? So she goes through this kind of shotgun approach of just throwing stuff out there, kind of the spaghetti against the wall um, experiment to see, hey, I'm going to throw 47 things out and see if one thing sticks. And so, you know, we appreciate it. On one level, 
you know, it's like, okay, slow it down. But realistically, we appreciate when uh, our, our students come in and they have ideas, they have thoughts, and they don't have fear with kind of throwing those out there to think, oh, if I get the answer wrong, I failed the course. No, the more you put yourself in, you know, the arena, the more respect that you get and the more you probably learn through the situation. So for her, we were very uh, excited that at least she's she's willing to kind of step foot in that arena. Uh, but she was just throwing out a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. Uh, we did get out, you know, okay, I'm going to give them chin retractions, right? And so, okay, why? And, and we go through it and she, you know, the, the thought process there isn't wrong. If someone has tension, headaches, they probably have, you know, excessive extension at the, uh, at the occiput into the cervical spine or the upper cervical spine. They're probably relatively flexed at the lower cervical spine. So you'd look at that and you'd say, okay, chin retractions are an exercise that would be good for them. Um, and if, if she answered that, she would probably get an A on the practical at school. Um, but when delivering that to a patient who doesn't really understand much at all besides their pain, she's probably going to run into some problems. Number one, you're making the patient look weird. Uh, number two, you're making the patient feel weird. Uh, it might work, but the patient might not quite do that correctly or might not do it often enough. And in a way, even though it's the right thing, it might hurt. So a lot of not so good potentials there on day one giving chin retractions. And so we went through this whole, you know, discussion of, okay, what does soft tissue manipulation do? What does a mash do? And I'm not going to sit here and kind of go through that whole process. Hopefully you have a better, a good idea. But the big thing in terms of what the patient feels is the boo-boo goes away for a while. And how important is that day one? Chin retractions, I'm not going to say aren't a good idea, but it's more of a conceptual model that you're trying to build into the patient's existence. I've never given chin retractions as an actual exercise, yet I've built chin retractions into many of my exercises to put the patient in a good situation, but not make them look and feel stupid. Right on day one, we talked about, hey, why don't we just give them a simple neck mash, either with a foam roller or with a lacrosse ball, so that they can start working on these trigger points. They can start working on these tender areas, and by the next time that they come in, they'll probably done some pretty good self-soft tissue manipulation, so that our adjustment is smoother, deeper, easier, and they're already managing their symptomatology very, very well. Right, And then we can start building into something that involves those chin retractions. And what happens if we do that? Well, instead of the patient feeling weird and strange and maybe not getting great results, they're massively appreciative of the fact that we've given them something that helps them moment to moment throughout their day. When things start to spike with those tension headaches, at least they got something in their toolkit to, to grab onto, to work with it. So they come back in, visit two, and they're like, yes, thank you so much. That helps so much with alleviating some of the discomfort. It didn't take it away. I know we got work to do, doc, but thank you for, for doing that for me. What did we just build? We built a ton of equity because we were connecting with that patient. We forgot that it wasn't a practical in school, right? And we actually put ourselves in this patient's world and decided, hey, maybe we should connect with them first and then be able to deliver 
right? Build that equity with the patient so that they're willing to go on uh, this, this journey with you. Uh, another way of saying that is you have to give the patient a little bit of what they want so that eventually you can provide them with what they actually need. So that was a big eye-opening moment for this shadow. Um, she, she was like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. And it gave a little bit of clarity and maybe even a little bit of direction in this alphabet soup of the rehab world. And that takes me to shadow number two, because we were talking about, hey, what's the big problem here with, you know, with rehab? What, what do, uh, you know, young doctors and students, what are they struggling with? I already kind of knew the answer, but I wanted um, him to say it. He's like, well, it's like the alphabet soup of rehab. It's like, there's so much to grab from. We just don't know where to start or what to do. Uh, so we sat down and said, hey, number one, we have to get to the evaluation and see, okay, what are we finding on assessment? For us, it's movement assessment, but you know, there's many different ways to kind of figure out what is the scenario here that needs to be attacked, right? That gives you at least the groundwork of kind of where to start. If there's a thousand different exercise op- options, you know, knowing from a good assessment what this patient needs, you might chop that down to 100 available or maybe even 10 available if you're really good at what you do. Then it becomes a little bit easier. You can just say, what is simple? What is foundational? And what's going to build me equity with the patient? Right? And so you go back to, instead of going to that chin retraction scenario, you say, hmm, maybe if I build some chin retraction unknowingly into a neck mash, I'm actually giving them a chin retraction without giving them a chin retraction while giving them something that they absolutely want, which is pain relief. Right, and then I can build from there. So again, yeah, there was a billion different things that we could do, but we needed to have an assessment that said exactly where to start, and then this awareness of it's not necessarily what they need, but what they want that we have to start with as well, so that we can build that equity and really set a good process moving forward. Because you have to realize what is correct is inconsequential to the patient. Right? You have to deliver. You have to connect with this person. They have to trust you. They have to have confidence in you prior to you giving them what is needed. Right, Remember that. Give them a little bit of what they want with what they need, but maybe unknowingly to them. And then when they come back in and they're happy, it's easy to start transitioning more to what is needed. Can't say how important that is. And realistically, what helps you with doing that is connecting to that patient's reality, all right? I'm going to say that one more time. Connect with the patient, right? Use some empathy. Put yourself in their situation. Tell their story with your words so that they can feel heard. They can feel understood. You do that on that first visit. Life is super easy. You hop right into making them a part of your textbook and say, this is what I learned in school and this is how smart I am. You're going to lose that patient relatively fast, right? You might see them twice. You might see them three times and and lie to yourself. Oh, I fixed them. They didn't come back because they felt better because I am the best doctor. Well, you better be collecting four to $500 per visit if that's the case. If you're anywhere underneath there, you might be phenomenal on the treatment side, but you're an idiot on developing a sustainable business unless you're practicing out of your garage, Right, So just make sure if you fall into that or if that's kind of the model that you're looking at, 
Okay, you, you, you better have $0 expenditure on rent, right? And, and $0 expenditure on utilities. And don't even think about an employee if you're under that $400 or $500 per visit scenario if you plan on taking care of people one to three visits. That's just reality, all right? Now, we'll get back. I know I get on my, my uh, soapbox there a little bit, so I'll get back to what we're talking about is thinking on that connection, how important it is. And this will be a little segue to next podcast. But with that second uh, shadow, we started talking about why is it so difficult for young doctors to kind of progress into practice and have this seamless transition. Realistically, there's this... There's this major kind of pushback from a lot of students when it comes to actually modifying to what is necessary for practice. And a lot of that is because 70% of the recipe for results is based on initial patient connection, right? 70%, I would say it's probably even 70% or more is based on connection. That means there's only 30% less left for evaluation and, and treatment. All right, and that's all you get in school, right? I kept talking to both of these and any shadow that comes in. All right, what are you doing to uh, become a better presenter? What are you doing to put yourself uh, out in front of people where you're interacting with, with people who are not chiropractic students or not clinicians or not educators at your chiropractic school? And they all look at me like, uh, I don't even know, why would I ever do that? Well, 70% of success is based off of things that you will never, ever get in school. And I think that's, that's that major disconnect is that, oh my God, I spent so much money becoming so damn smart. And now only about 30% or less is actually viable to utilize in practice, that's a tough pill to swallow. But the sooner you start recognizing that as a student, the sooner you come to grips with that so you can free up some of your brain bandwidth to only be utilizing what's clinically necessary for your patients so that you can go out and start connecting with your target market, that's when you're going to start to really see the results happen. Right, because we're going to use the mega mind analogy for the next uh, podcast. Is that you know at the end he, he's talking. If you know mega mind, he's talking with the villain. Right, he says you're a villain, all right, just not a super villain. And the villain's like, okay, what's the difference? And mega mind says presentation. Right, and I kind of laugh at that because it could not be more accurate with the chiropractic profession, fair or not, I'll give you that. I don't probably think this is fair, but this is real. The difference between a chiropractor and a successful chiropractor is legitimately presentation. So we're going to dive into that next. But for the first, for this part, what I want you to, to think of is whatever you're doing in terms of rehabilitative process, if you're going to do that, or even if it's just basic postural scenarios, those first couple of visits, you have to connect. You have to give the patient what they want a little bit 
so that you can give them what they need eventually. There we have it, folks. Don't forget that you can find the five critical things for practice you don't get in Cairo School on CairoPCP.com. You can register, you can subscribe to the podcast there to receive that, as well as five podcasts that hit on each five components there. Don't forget to like, share, rate, review, all those things on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you listen to the podcast so we can grow this baby and really change our profession for the better. Until then, keep working hard. I hope you have the best day, the best week, the best month, and the best year of your life. There's only one way to do that. We got to keep moving. We'll see you next time.